Our gospel reading comes from Matthew chapter 13. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And going on in verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty and in another, 30. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Is God's word powerful? Does God's word always work? Now, uh, some of you maybe think, oh, of course, we, we know where pastor is going with this. Of course he's going to say God's word uh, always works. In my own life, I've seen God's word work. Uh, it's working, and it has worked, and it will work in, in my identity, in my belonging, and in my, my purpose, right? Identity, it tells me who I am so I can know myself, know to the core. I am the husband of Eden, the father of Joy, Isaac, and Asher. I am the pastor of Christ Lutheran Church. I am a child of of God. And that is true. 
My sins have been taken away by Christ on the cross. I've been given life in his name. God's word is at work in my life. Identity, belonging. I now belong to God's family. I mean, think about this. God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit have eternally been doing this sort of uh, square dance with each other, relationship with each other, and I get to be part of that. I belong, and not only belong to the Godhead as if that weren't enough, but I belong here. I belong with people that believed in Jesus. There is, as we're told in Scripture, neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for those who have been baptized into Christ. We belong together. There's a community that happens here. And God has given me purpose in life. Some of you may know my story, but for those of, of you who don't, there was a time going into eighth grade before I had started confirmation. And my purpose was, um, well, it was questionable at that time, right? Um, could I be a veterinarian or a chiropractor? Uh, should I hang out with this group of people or that group of people? And let's just say not every group of people always <laughs> looked maybe healthy. <laughs> and yet, the church back in Ohio, St. Mark Chesterland, wrote a letter to my mom, said, hey, did your son want to go into confirmation? And as an eighth grader, who had lots of things going through his mind, <laughs> lots, of, lots of hormones and emotions, lots of temptations in life, for some reason, I said, I I'm, yeah, I'll, I'll go to confirmation class. I'll do this. Even though the world was telling me, trying to pull me other directions. To me, that is clear confirmation of, of who I was as a baptized child of God. And although my parents didn't go to church very often when I was young, they did send me to Sunday school. I heard the Word of God was nourished. The Word of God had been planted. The Word of God had been fertilized. And at that moment, it wasn't Larry, the eighth grader, that was speaking. No, it was the Holy Spirit working in me to send me on that path. And through that path, I met someone named Ken. And he said, hey, you're about to go into college. Have you ever considered going to a Concordia University, one of our Lutheran schools? And I hadn't up to that point. And I went and I visited and I applied to one college and I got accepted to one college and I went there to Concordia, Chicago. And then from there I went to the seminary in St. Louis. And I've been given a purpose as an individual, a purpose to to go and make disciples, to tell people about Jesus and that Jesus loves them just like he loves me. However, there are times when it seems 
like God's word isn't working, isn't powerful in my life. I know my identity, but I keep living like someone else. You know what I'm saying? The same sins that I struggled with as an eighth grader are oftentimes, maybe, maybe they manifest themselves a little differently today, but oftentimes are, are right with me today as I struggle to live as a faithful follower of Christ. Belonging. Oh, man. I know where I belong. I, I trust God's word that we as God's people belong together. And yet, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes there are family members, there are neighbors, there are friends who may even believe in Jesus. But relationship with them is difficult. And purpose? One of the things that we're doing right now is we're planting a church should say it this way, planting a, a pastor, a missionary in Leadville. And to be quite frank with you, I don't know what I'm doing half the time. I feel lost. What's my purpose in life? I mean, can you identify at all with this? Like, on the one hand, God's word seems to be so powerful. It has given us identity and belonging and, and purpose in life. And yet, there are other aspects of our life that we look at and we're like, is God's word working? There's different places in our world that, that we can see this happening today. Uh, God's word, we're told in, in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 1, God's word is the beginning of knowledge, right? The fear, fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And yet there's others who would say, nope, God's word is anti-science. Doesn't look, it looks foolish. Doesn't look like it's working at all. Uh, some remember the, the good has got done through the church. God has done through the church throughout history. And others look at the church and attack our beliefs as destructive to the common public life together. How can they be so closed-minded, so intolerant? Some people look at God's word and think the way it's impacted the role of women and the lives of women. Jesus, oh, he taught women, he loved women, he, he treated them not like a possession, which was common in that day and age, but like people, <laughs> And yet, our world today can sometimes say, ooh, the church is behind the times. It's not very feminist. We, uh, uh, sometimes as the church, uh, we put lots of emphasis on repentance, right? Turning from our sin. Turning, we're going this way, now we should go that way. And we... Take time, like we did in the beginning of the service today, to confess our sins, to feel bad about them. But some will look at that and be like, the church is just full of self-loathing. 
Hmm. Or how about humility, right? Humility is held up as a, as a virtue in the Christian faith, but others see it as, as not powerful, but as, as weakness, as a, as a lack of initiative. So is God's word powerful and at work in our lives, in this world, or not? Jesus addresses this very thing in the parable of the sower. This picture is, uh, I believe, from the chapel in, at Gordon-Conwell uh, University, but uh, this is a, a picture, artist depiction of uh, the parable of the sower. And, of course, we see Jesus scattering seed. And we know from, from Jesus' explanation of this parable that the seed is the word of God, right? And that it's scattered liberally throughout the world. And, and Jesus tells us there are three places where the word of God, the all-powerful word of God is scattered and yet doesn't seem very powerful. It's snatched up. It's choked out. It withers. There's the path. You can see Jesus walking along the path and, and some of the seed falling in the path. And if you look in the background a little bit, you see birds. And what are the birds doing? They're snatching up the seed. As soon as it's plant, it is scattered, as soon as it's sowed, the birds snatch up the seed. And oh, who's that dark figure in the background but Satan himself? Satan working through the birds to snatch up the, the word of God. When we see that, we see that in our lives. We see that in the world. We also see that some of the seed, the word of God, gets scattered on, on, on rocky soil, right? And so what happens to these individuals? Shallow roots form. And as soon as persecution or tribulation, as, as soon as the going gets tough, they're out. The Word of God doesn't seem to be powerful in that situation. Or, what about the thorny soil? The Word takes root, grows up. Oh, but I really want that new car. I really want those new clothes, oh, we see someone, a, a woman, dressed elegantly in purple. And what happens to the power of the word in that instance? It gets choked out. Jesus is warning us that that happens to the word. The all-powerful word of God is rejected, is reviled. And it's worth knowing this, that, that Jesus isn't just telling this parable as a sort of teaching lesson that he's disconnected from. He sees this personally in his own life. 
just before this text, at the end of chapter 12, in side note here, like chapter division verses, those are, those are later additions to Scripture. Sometimes they're unhelpful because they kind of separate a chapter and it looks like, oh, it ends here and starting a new subject there. But, but if we rec- read this, as Matthew intended, kind of all the way through from beginning to end, we see right before this, Jesus is teaching. He's in a house at Capernaum on the Sea of Galilee. And when he's teaching the crowds, who comes to him? His mother and his brothers. Someone comes to Jesus and says, Hey, your mom and your brothers, they're, they're out there. You should, you should go out. And Jesus says something really weird. Who are my mother and my brothers? Huh. Wait, what? You know, Mary, you know your brothers that, that, that you grew up with, your half-brothers, right? What? Jesus goes on to say, these disciples, these who hear the word of God and keep it and believe it and understand it, these are my mother and my brothers. We know from, from Mark's account of that visitation from Jesus' mother and brothers that his mom and his brothers thought Jesus had gone off his rocker a little bit. They were coming to take hold of him and save him from himself. And at the end of this chapter, end of chapter 13, after Jesus tells several parables in a row, where does Jesus go? He goes to Nazareth, his hometown, where he grew up, spent maybe some 30 years of his life. Nazareth, which at that time was a tiny, tiny town. Does anything good come from Nazareth? So who are the people in Nazareth? Well, it's Jesus' mother and father and brothers and sisters and relatives or close friends and neighbors at least. Jesus went to Nazareth to proclaim the gospel. And when Jesus did so, what does Matthew tell us happened? And they took offense at him. Luke tells us they didn't just take offense. They tried to kill him, stone him, push him off a cliff. And he did his Jedi mind trick. You will not, this is not the Jesus you are looking for, right? And he walks through the crowds and he continues on his way. Jesus knew That the word of God sometimes felt powerless and he experienced it in his very own family, in his very own hometown. And yet, what does Jesus do? He keeps on scattering the seed. As we look back at our painting Look at Jesus. Look at his eyes. Who's he looking at? Is he looking at the path or at the thorns? Is he looking at the rockies? No, he's looking at 
you. He's looking because he cares about you. He wants you to hear the word of God, to receive it, to understand it. You can even see his foot. Do you see his right, well, viewer's left, his right foot? I love how the artist depicts this. It's, it's like almost stepping out of the painting into our world. I mean, what a picture of the incarnation where our God steps down from heaven into our world to experience our reality, to take upon our flesh, to take upon our burdens, to take upon our sins, to be with us. This Jesus and his word is still being scattered today. Every time you you open up your Bible, every time you hear a sermon preached, the word of God is going out and into your lives. The word of God that points us ultimately to the cross. Now, if there is any point in time, any point in history where the word of God looked weak, does it, is it actually working? It's when Jesus, the incarnate word of God, the, the word of God in flesh, was hanging, dying, bleeding, being spat upon, being abandoned, being denied, being ridiculed, being mocked on the cross. Is the word of God actually working there? But we know what happened three days later. (laughs) We know that three days later, Jesus gets up from the tomb, that he comes out of the grave, and he shows by the power of God's word, by the power of the Spirit working in him, that the word of God does work is working, will work for eternity, and will work for you today. This is how we know that that the word of God works. Through the cross and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so when the Word of God tells you things, gives you promises, tells you about your identity as a child of God, tells you that you belong with the people of God, tells you that you have a purpose to, on behalf of the sower himself to go and scatter some more seed, we can trust and believe in that. For me personally, what, what I hear this, I, I recognize in my neighborhood, amongst my neighbors, it doesn't always feel like the Word of God is working. Let's just leave it at that. Use your imagination uh, and fill in the blanks. It doesn't always feel like the Word of God is working. And there is temptation to be distracted, to be choked out, to, to just step back into our home, into our congregation, into our church buildings, and say, forget it. 
That's what I see with my eyes, but I hear something different with my ears. I hear this, that the Word of God brings people together in community, that the Word of God works. It's working in me. It's working in my neighbors, and it's working in our relationship with each other. So that's how I am going to apply this today. How about you? Where are things in your life that you can look at and be like, doesn't feel like the, God, the, the word of God is working there. But when I look at the cross of Christ, when I look at his resurrection, I know God's word is living and active in my life today. May we follow that word and give the Father glory all along the path. Amen.